Unlimited poontang. You drive a hard bargain, Maxie. All right, I'll be mayor. Okay, what is up everybody? This is Andrew, your host, and I'm once again joined by our senior Batman correspondent, Ben Juan. Hey, what's up? And this week, we are going to be continuing our deep dive into Batman Returns. Ben is going to regale us with what could have been with the uh, initial drafts uh, for Batman Returns, and I gotta say, man, I'm very excited to see <laughs> what is what's going to happen here. Right, so we could even title this Batman 2, because that was actually the original title. They're just going to go full sequel. <laughs> Why not? It. But uh, the the earliest recording I could find about ideas for Batman 2 was an interview with Sam Hamm. I couldn't. I tried to find it again. I knew I read it, but uh, Sam Hamm was very excited to go into the sequel okay. for Batman, because his idea was that the next villain was going to be Two-Face. Okay. Because it was called Batman 2. Okay. So two and two face made sense. He already had yeah. Harvey Dent in the previous version. Right. Honestly, I would have loved to have seen that. It would have tried to. I, I'm sure he would have tried to develop Batman and Dent's relationship more. Right. Billy D would have been two face. You know, as right. the first one and everything like that. Uh, however, the studio said no. It feels like because it, it doesn't seem like there was any traction or any development towards trying to. There's no draft with two face as a villain. Okay. In, in uh, Batman Returns, for those who might not have listened to the previous episode, there's 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 all this talk that I'm going to dispel about Max Shrek originally being Harvey Dent, and that uh, he the scar that the the explosion at the end with Catwoman would have caused him to be scarred and right. he would have been set up as the villain of the third movie. There is zero evidence for that. That is an IMDb rumor. I think somebody just wrote that up, but it's, it's not true. Uh, I can't find any evidence of it. The studio had wanted Penguin to be the villain of the next one. Because Danny DeVito was a big star at the time, it seemed like he was the only person that they could plug in. They wanted, you know, how do you follow up Jack Nicholson as the Joker? You right. follow him up with another star. Danny DeVito was already a star. Penguin was already a well-known villain. Billy D. Williams, you're going to follow up Jack Nicholson with Billy D. Williams? I mean, not no offense to Billy D. Williams, but it's not quite the same star power. Right. You know? And Two-Face was not in the 60s show. They wanted somebody who was yeah. well-known. Two-Face wasn't. Yeah. Remember, Two-Face wasn't that well-known. Right, time. right, right. I'm sure there was a lot of people watching the 89 movie who weren't comic book fans who just thought, oh, they plugged the guy in from Empire Strikes Back. It, right. It, you know, the Batman movie. So the studio wanted Penguin. Uh, Burton and Ham wanted Catwoman. Just Catwoman. Yeah. But so the compromise was both. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so overcrowded superhero movies began. Yes. And so Sam Ham got to work on Batman 2, and it's a weird alternate universe version of Batman Returns. Uh, it's cr the story of Batman Returns is credited to Sam Hamm, uh, yet it is kind of like the Tom Mankiewicz draft of Batman where it's not quite at all the movie that you saw. However, there's enough parallels to it that you can see why he was still given credit for it. Okay. Uh, it's weirdly the first time Sam Hamm is writing the movie version of Michael Keaton's Bruce because okay. all the previous versions that he wrote of it were you know, his own sort of more comic book accurate version of Batman. So this is the first time he's writing the movie versions of these characters as a sequel. And uh, I'm going to tease this. It would have established Batman as more of a detective. 
Oh yeah, that's of course from it the, got from cut. The get-go. Of course it got <laughs> yes. cut. So what else? What else can you expect there? Let's let's dive in, and I'll go into why. But there there is a a mystery that is the backbone to this version of the Batman uh, two script. So <laughs> the nineteen eighty six draft for the first Batman movie it introduced Gotham as quote as if hell had erupted through the sidewalks and kept on growing, and that wow that prose was what inspired Anton first. So naturally, Ham had to piggyback on that, and it starts with Christmas in Gotham, and he writes, it's finally happened. Hell has frozen over. <laughs> so that's how he describes Gotham. Gothamites are shopping for Christmas, and there's a store selling Batman merchandise. Okay. Capes and toys and shit like that. There's, there's selling I remnants. I heard about this store, yes. Yeah, yeah. St- the store selling remnants of the Batwing that was found in front of the cathedral. Oh, my God. And everything like that. Uh, and then... Just like in the in, in Batman Returns, a crime happens for Batman to stop. Uh, it's not the Red Triangle Circus Gang. This time, it's just a bunch of robbers on snowplows and everything. <laughs> uh, the Batmobile, you know, Bat Signal goes up. Batmobile goes after it. Um, the Batmobile does at one point turn around and use the fire from the you know afterburner. Okay, but doesn't use it to kill anybody. It uses it to defrost snow that's blocking this park where the snow plow guys that would have been that would have been better than what we got (laughs) (laughs) so batman chases after the snow plows is you know using gadgets to capture the robbers along the way uh at one point it finds itself on cracked ice and about to fall through which is a one of those like no-brainer action sequences that you're just like wow why, why have we not seen that before right um it has to use the grappling hook to get itself out of it and then ends up capturing the leader of the gang and everything and, and drops it off for the cops all gift wrapped and you know as if to say Merry Christmas but it would have started off with a bang and like action sequence Christmas in Gotham crime still happening okay uh, and we then get an introduction to a gang that calls themselves weirdly enough the Red Berets uh, they wear red berets but they also wear sweatshirts with the Batman insignia on it we kind of see them briefly during the action sequence but they're very much like um, they're basically followers of the Batman. They're like the sons of the Batman gang in the Dark Knight Returns comic, as well as, you know, those Batman copycats from the Dark Knight. Right. So this is like an early version of that. Um, So they're all like chanting about like, we get to take back the streets, take back the city. They're like interrupting a press conference that Gordon's giving and Gordon's like, you know what? We have a working relationship with Batman, but we do not condone vigilantism in any form. And he has to like keep raising his voice because they keep chanting. Uh, Alfred is like disturbed by this news and in Wayne Manor and he goes to serve Bruce and this is where I guess Sam Hamm writes his version of what the Batcave entrance would be to the Batcave in the so this is version. Sam Hamm writing a, a draft over the original Waters one at this point yeah this is the first draft of any Batman sequel right now oh okay, Waters yeah, hasn't yeah. even been hired yet okay gotcha okay I gotcha um, okay. Hamm wrote this one and this draft got thrown out and got replaced Okay, gotcha. So this is the original vision of what it was supposed to be. Uh, but apparently the entrance to the Batcave in Ham's version of this is uh, a drawer. Alfred opens a drawer in the study that has the newspaper of Thomas and Martha Wayne getting killed. Okay. And under that is a switch that he flicks open and that opens up a bookcase, bookcase and that leads to a stairwell. But it sort of is like a reminder of the deaths and everything like that. So it's kind yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though what's funny enough in the in the final movie, there's zero mention of the Waynes mm-hmm. or anything like that. But it, it would have they would have had a couple references okay. in this version. So in the Batcave, you know, Alfred is coming down and Bruce is like more copycats last night. No, I'm sorry, that's the wrong movie. No, Bruce is hanging upside <laughs> down. <laughs> Bruce is hanging upside down and everything, and he's he's testing, he's experimenting with this one gadget, and Alfred can't quite figure out what it is. 
Um, but uh, Bruce is sort of absent-minded because he admits the holidays make him miss his parents and makes him think about his parents. Okay, yeah, like that. And he admits to Alfred, uh, he doesn't know what to get Vicky Vale for Christmas. Vicky Vale still around. In the Vicky script. Vale is in this script. Okay, gotcha. it would have carried over. Kim Basinger would have reprised her role. Um, my theory, uh, not to go on a tangent on that, my theory is that she didn't show up in Batman Returns because remember I told you in the '89 movie that she was John Peters' girlfriend. Yeah. In 1990, she met Alec Baldwin on a movie set. Okay. Uh, in 1993, they were married. Okay. So I'm guessing her relationship with Peters ended by the time Returns happened. So that's probably why she's not in Batman Timeline Returns. checks out. <laughs> Timeline checks out there. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks to Alec Baldwin, Kim Basinger was not in the Batman sequel. Wow. Uh, God, the behind the scenes. All right, keep know. going. Uh, that's my theory, by the way. That's never been confirmed, but I looked at yes, the timeline yes. and did my own detective work on that. Yes. Uh, so you'll be interested in this. We finally meet the penguin in a prison cell full of bird cages. And we meet, quote unquote, his name is Mr. Boniface. Okay. Mr. Boniface was the name that he used in his very first opinion, appearance uh, in the comics. Okay. Um, cool, cool. And everything. That was his citizen name. Oswald Cobblepot came later. Gotcha. That was a reveal in the Sunday comic strips and everything. So I think Ham is just deriving from that comic. And I'm not sure if he it's either he didn't know that Cobblepot was the name in the comics or he was more devoted to that version of the comic. But anyway, oh, there's no way he didn't know Cobblepot at this point, right? Uh, I mean, it wasn't really in the 60s show. He would have to dig into. It's not like he can just go on Comicsology and get comics. You know, he yeah, would have to dig yeah. in and find stuff. So I, I, I don't know. OK, you know. Uh, Boniface described as quote unquote so fat it seems his skin should burst. The adjective that comes to mind is obscene. Despite his eccentric appearance, he comports himself with overblown theatrical dignity. Fastidious in printing, he does not suffer insults lightly. Um, so he's mega fat, but he's not, <laughs> he doesn't have sharp teeth. He doesn't have bile spewing out of his mouth. He doesn't, he's not a pervert. Like he's very much the penguin of the comics. Okay. In terms of his personality. Okay. Uh, and he's been in prison for 13 years and he's up for parole. And he says, you know, I'm 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 a reformed citizen. I've been writing for these ornithology journals, which is a study of birds. You know, I've even trained a bird to say crime does not pay. Uh, I stole all this money years ago. And, you know, I can tell you where I hid the forty two million dollars. OK, so they're like, OK, cool. You know, you get to you get released. And as he's getting released, he goes back to his cell and finds out that all the birds that he kept in his cages are gone. Okay. And his cellmate is like, I don't know what happened, man. But he looks and sees, you know, a pile of feathers and blood in the corner. Okay. And he figures that his cellmate, cellmate killed the birds just out of, you know, out of spite and stuff for the fact that Penguin's going free. Okay. So Penguin sort of hides his rage and gives a Walkman. Remember, this is like 1991. <laughs> he is like a Walkman to the, the cellmate <laughs> and leaves. And as he leaves, he gets greeted by his henchmen who reveal that the $42 million he's returning is only a small portion of what he really stole because what he really stole was $79 million. Okay. <laughs> so um, this is all just an act to get out. And as he makes his escape, he presses a button on a device that creates a signal in the Walkman. Okay. And the cellmates listen to it and he doesn't know what's going on. But a pigeon comes down and then another pigeon and another pigeon and they all start pecking at him and it's basically like Hitchcock's The Birds where he's swarmed okay. by pigeons and they basically peck his eyes out okay. and his face off and they peck him to death and then the pigeons all sort of leave and follow the limo 
as the limo heads back to Gotham City to Penguin's freedom and everything like that. So Penguin's main MO in the movie was using pigeons to kill people okay. uh, and everything like that, uh, sort of drawing off Hitchcock's The Birds, which seems like something that like you would have seen by now in the in the big screen. Like it, right. it makes sense, but it's never happened. <laughs> so right. it's 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 weird. Um, we go to Wayne Manor and Vicky Vale's like, I don't know. We, we get reintroduced to Vicky Vale and she tells Alfred she doesn't know what to get Bruce for Christmas. And Alfred jokes, you know, you can always get him surveillance equipment that I never go wrong with that. Um, but she has her own little subplot in this because she takes Bruce to Gotham Park. And this is a park where a lot of the homeless people are living in. Okay. And her, she wants to, she's basically doing a photo story on uh, this construction magnet dude who wants to tear down the park, relocate okay. all the homeless people and um, excuse me and uh, create, you know, make millions off of this, this building. And okay. this guy's an old friend of Bruce. His name is Shaw. And um, Vicky's like, you know, you got to do something about it. And Bruce is like, what, like tie him with a bat rope? Like what is Batman supposed to do in this situation? So this sort of introduces the theme that is Batman. The, the main, the main theme of Sam Hammond's Batman two is how effective is Batman if he's not going after the corrupt rich who are basically finding these loopholes in the law. He's going after muggers on the streets, right, right, arch criminals, right. but the big corporations and shit stuff that he's part of, he's part of that world. Right. Is he really doing anything? Is he really getting to the root of the problems? At least right. according to, according to the script. Um, so that creates the theme of how effective am I in this role? Gotcha. Uh, that's, that's in it. So that's, the original theme or the original arc that Batman was going to go through okay. with Batman too. Uh, as they're going through this, they overhear a police report that, you know, someone was mugged. The red berets were there, you know, the Batman followers, uh, but they ran off and uh, this mugger instead got saved by some random bystander who okay. went off and they don't know anything about the bystander. So they're like, okay, that's weird. But somebody, you know, other people might be out there inspired by Batman to fight crime, stuff okay. like that. And as Bruce, you know, Bruce and Vicky are walking by and he sees the Red Beret's Batman shirt and he's like, nice shirt. And the guy's like, piss off <laughs> to Bruce. <laughs> so it's kind of a fun uh, little moment there. But it it is already there's already more Bruce Wayne in this, it feels, than right. in the Batman Returns movie. Right. Um, then we cut to this. There's of- there's almost no Bruce Wayne <laughs> in Batman Returns, it feels like. I remember we watched the first 30 minutes. I'm just like, Michael Keaton has had two lines yeah, so far yeah. and two scenes, really. Which is fine, but it's just like, yeah, like you can. God, I, I wonder what his screen time is, actually. Not Batman, but Bruce Wayne. Anyway. Yeah, going, yeah. Sorry. So we go to this sort of dive bar where all the sort of skeezy people hang out in. And in walks in a woman with a black fur coat who unwraps her muffler, revealing, quote unquote, exotic, vaguely Eurasian features. She's really? dark and an elegant, fine bone, regal of bearing. And her name, though we don't know it yet, is Selena Kyle. OK, so this is Sam Ham's version of Selena Kyle. So he wanted like a half Asian, half white type of Catwoman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, that was one of the first roles that, you know, in comic book history that had diversity in some way right because you had eartha kit playing her that's true yeah you know so like we've had a black cat woman several white ones um but no asian one there's been no asian and up and, until this point yeah so, so it, it's it's she is specified as as you know with your asian features so that would have been obviously it wouldn't be michelle pfeiffer when i was reading this and envisioning this yeah i'll go yeah. into my fan cast later yeah but um she's a very different version of Catwoman. Um, she's definitely more of a villain. 
Okay. In this gotcha. one, there's not next to no gray area in this version. Um, she is pretty much as sexual or has as much sexual innuendos as Penguin does in the final film. Oh, really? so it's very 90s version of, you know, sexy villain type thing that I don't think ages too well now. But yeah, anyways, she seduces this one guy at the bar uh, sort of thing. And we cut to where that guy's supposed to be, which is where this drug shipment is. Okay. So she's basically seducing this one uh, drug dealer dude. And we go to the actual drug deal. And of course, there's a familiar figure with pointed ears in the shadows and everything. Uh, and as the deal happens, it gets interrupted by the figure. The figure lands, but it's not Batman. Quote unquote, clad in inky black leather from head to toe, the intruder's face is concealed by what appears to be a bondage mask. Studded with bondage, openings yeah. for the eyes and mouth, it spans one incongruous touch, a, a pair of pointed cat ears. Right. So this is Catwoman. And Catwoman uses her rip, uh, so, sorry, she uses her whip to reel guys in, and she uses her talons to slash their throats. She's a she's basically a psycho killer in this version. Okay, she's not really the comic book version of Catwoman. Okay, just more of a straight up killer. So she kills everybody except for one person, and that comes into play later. But um, there's one survivor, but she ignores him. She go she passes through all the drugs, ignores the drugs, and she opens this one thing, and she finds a little statue of a raven. Okay, and she steals that. Okay. So first off, Catwoman actually steals in this. <laughs> so, okay. But she, the she, she's but killing she also people. killing people. So it's like, it's a weird thing. I'm like, okay, I guess we get the Catwoman thief, but we also get like a version of Catwoman that I'm not so down for. So yeah. she obviously meet Penguin back at his lair and revealed that they're working together. Um, he's like living in these like freezing cold traditions, conditions which stay true to the character. Uh, she gives him the Raven statue and they toast to what they call will be the second biggest crime of Gotham's history. Okay. So the question is, what's the first? And we're going to find out later. Uh, Gordon uh, has found the lone survivor of Catwoman's attack. And he's there with uh, a cop named Eddie Bullock. Oh, shit. So Bullock is in this, but his name isn't Harvey. It's Eddie for some, whatever reason. Um, and Bullock <laughs> notes that. <laughs> Why do they do that? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they thought it would be confusing when Harvey Dent comes in and they're both named Harvey. I don't know. I guess uh, maybe the, med, that probably is it. Actually, the survivor keeps saying uh, "Murcielago," which is Spanish for bat. Okay, because he thinks that Batman attacked it, and Gordon's like, "Well, that's that's insane. Batman has never committed murder." Right. I think he didn't watch the end of Batman '89. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Gordon's mind, Batman. Not a good line. <laughs> You'd have to change that line at that point. <laughs> but Gordon, people would be laughing. Gordon's like, "That's the. It can't be Batman." But uh, Catwoman left a card in this guy's pocket that says, those who feed on the soul of Gotham will suffer my wrath. And has a bat insignia on it. So already Penguin and Catwoman are framing Batman for uh, crimes that are happening. So you can kind of see how there's there's parallels to what happened in the final movie, right? Right. Um, Gordon goes after the rich dude who had the cocaine shipment. Um, and there's this cool scene. Gordon has a bigger role in this, too. There's this cool scene where the guy's like, I come from one of the oldest, most influential families in Gotham. You plan to accuse me of smuggling drugs? Be my guest. I'll have your badge before you leave the room. Is that part of the comics? Gordon has that backstory? With what? Uh, who who has the... Uh, oh, oh this, is the, this is the guy he's trying to arrest. Oh, I got you. Sorry yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So the guy he's trying to arrest is like, I'll have your badge before you leave this room. Okay. And Gordon looks at him and he's like, he turns back to the cops and he's like, book the son of a bitch. Okay. <laughs> so this is, would have been like a way bigger role for Pat Hingle than either of the Burton movies where right. he's just kind of on the sidelines. Like he literally just, he just shows up in Batman Returns. He's like, thanks for saving the day, Batman. Like that's yeah. it. Like this yeah. would have actually 
showed up. He's so, barely in that one. Yeah, he put he, he pushes the dude's guns down. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the, the main. There's thing an undercurrent of like, oh, like I'm still on Batman's side, but like he's not. He doesn't do much. So yeah, um, the guy he's arresting requests a phone call. So this drug guy ends up calling Shaw, who's the construction dude. Okay. And he and the, the construction dude's like, why are you calling me? And the drug rich dude says, because someone took my raven. Okay. So all these guys are connected in a way. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, Vicky Vale is um, sort of, she goes to Wayne Manor and she finds Bruce is watching these people debating whether or not Batman has had, you know, the right to kill these people. Like they're debating like, okay, if Batman has gone rogue, should we take him in? Like people, you know, the, the sort of political or television publicity side of things. Um, Bruce is in the back cave and he's listening to Gordon trying to defend Batman to city officials. And he knows that he's listening in because he's bugged Gordon's office because Gordon uses a Wayne Technologies computer. <laughs> okay. So as you can see, this is elements of the detective coming in. Right, right, right. Um, and he turns to Alfred and Vicky and he's like, all right, looks like I've been framed. Um, and so he experiments and he, he takes the Batmobile out and the cops chase after the Batmobile throughout Gotham city. And it's revealed surprise, surprise it's on autopilot and Batman's just, you know, somewhere else on another rooftop. Okay. But he's like, okay, my reputation is in shambles. What do I do? Um, Shaw, the construction dude, uh, is in the penthouse apartment to meet up with Selena Kyle about his art. She seems like she's about to have sex with him, but Instead, she kills him and slices his throat. So bad night for that dude. <laughs> yeah. And she spreads his blood on the wall in the shape of a bat. To okay. further frame Batman. And so this whole framing thing has been there since day one. It's been there since day one. And okay. she takes uh, Shaw's raven. Okay. And so he, the, the other dude had a raven. She took this guy's raven. Batman hears the alarm go off and he forms his cape into the gadget that Alfred couldn't figure out what that was earlier. Yeah. He forms it into a glider. Okay. And he glides off. So that's the the Batman cape glider would have been there from the beginning too. Uh, Batman discovers Catwoman and he's kind of shocked by seeing her like he is in the movie. Right. Uh, and she gets she gets away by jumping on a passing bus and she leaves a note for him that says looking for love. Okay. And so it's sort of implied that there's a sort of there's a land of a love triangle going on in the script because we got Vicky too. In right. This. And so right, right, right. It's like Catwoman is the love interest for Batman while Vicky's the love interest for Bruce. Right. Sort of feeling to it. Uh, and before Batman can chase after Catwoman, the cops find him and try to arrest him. And naturally he escapes because he's fucking Batman. Uh, but that's everything, everything that you saw in like towards the end of the second act of Batman Returns happens like all in like the first hour of Sam Ham's version of this. Right. So he's already framed Penguin and Catwoman for whatever reason are trying to collect these ravens. We don't know why yet. Right. Uh, in the meantime, uh, the guy, even though guy is dead, the construction crew is still trying to create this project because they've got millions of people's, uh, you know, money in it. So they're trying to scare the homeless people away okay. out of it. Vicky's capturing the photos because she's like, this isn't right sort of thing. The construction workers catch her uh, and they chase after her and they trip and, you know, she runs away, but she trips. And before they get to her, a figure shows, shows up and starts beating them up. And Vicky looks and she sees it's not Batman. It's quote unquote, it's a kid. 13 or 14 on the outside, sunken eyed, grimy looking in a torn and tattered raincoat. He's spinning, pirouetting, kicking, clawing in a furious display of pure athleticism. It seems like he's everywhere at once. And there's only one other guy in Gotham City who can handle himself like this. So remember, we we heard about a previous figure who helped stop a mugging. This is that guy. And he's a 13 or 14 year old kid. 
So uh, Robin and this is going to be Robin. <laughs> OK, I just want to make that clear <laughs> because she tries to thank him and she's like, who are you? And he says, Dick. <laughs> OK, <laughs> so there's this weird thing that's going on in Batman Returns Development where they're like, all right, now we want Robin again. Yeah. But while the Mankiewicz version, and the Sam Hamm version and the Julie Hickson treatment and all those versions did the circus origin. Yeah. The Batman Returns draft kind of has this deliberate way of trying to find some other uh, unorthodox way to put Robin in without doing the circus origin or without showing the circus thing happening. Well, that 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 seems like such a side tangent. It does. Yeah. You know, that would take up a lot. Of, I mean, there was a lot of time put into like a lot of set pieces for Batman Returns anyway. Yeah. But yeah, it would have been even more so. Yeah. Right. So to be honest, out of the Tom Mankiewicz draft, the Sam Ham, the original Sam Ham draft for the 89 movie, this one and the Daniel Waters version of the Batman Returns, as we'll get into later. This is actually my favorite way of them trying to incorporate Robin because it's they incorporate him early on. Uh, they create some sort of mystery around him and he actually ties into the story multiple times, as opposed to other versions where it just seemed like he was just thrown in there and, you know, for the sake of, of shoving him in. It's more organic. It feels a lot more organic because you already got the subplot. It's been planted in there. He shows up within the first hour of the movie, not the last half hour of the movie. So it, it all feels it feels right in a way. It feels like an interesting take to sort of reintroduce him. So he's basically this homeless kid who's living out, uh, you know, he, his hideout. Vicky sort of follows him and finds that he goes in this underground tunnel that's next to the statue of one of Bruce's ancestors. Okay. Um, and she sort of leaves him alone and tells Bruce about Dick. Uh, but Bruce isn't really interested about this kid because he's more pissed about the fact that Batman's being framed and, you know, all the newspapers are calling for Gordon's resignation, including the newspaper that Vicky works for. Okay. So that obviously causes some conflict between the two of them. Okay. The Batman merchandise store is already replacing their products with other stuff. <laughs> so like he's not he's not, you know, the famous figure anymore that's selling merchandise. And Vicky sympathizes with Bruce but wonders, you know, is it a good thing that the corrupt rich are getting scared now? Because Batman wasn't really scaring those guys. You know, is it uh, you know, are they, these guys, you know, going after them is it getting to the root of the problem? So it's sort okay. of exploring a class warfare type of thing aspect to it. And whether, right. again, as I said, is Batman truly effective towards that? Um, so as Vicky's telling this to him, Bruce sees a newspaper ad that says looking for love, which is just like the note that Catwoman left for him. And he sees the message being just like, you know, saw you the other night on the roof, but you were too shy to say hi type of thing. I took the right. bus and you didn't follow me. That type of thing. Watch, watch for my other message. And okay. so he's like, okay, like Catwoman's leaving me messages in the newspaper. But you see, again, this is already more of a detective aspect to him, of him like figuring that type of shit out. He's trying to figure out why are they trying to frame me? What's going on here? Uh, Vicky then goes to her boss at the Gotham Globe. Um, for whatever reason, Alexander Knox doesn't show up at all in any okay. draft of this, even though they kept him alive. Supposedly right. they left, they because originally Knox was going to die, as I talked about in the 89 drafts. Mm -hmm. But uh, and presumably they left him alive. So he show up in the sequels. He doesn't show up. <laughs> so who does show up is her boss and she's enraged. And it would have been an interesting scene for Kim Basinger because we're used to seeing her scream all the time in the 89 movie. She would right. have gone to her boss and had the balls to be like, you know, how fucking dare you kill my story on homeless people? This is what people, you know, right. you're only doing this because you're friends with the guy who, you know, put money into that construction project and things like that. Right. And her boss is like, get out of my office and I'm going to forget, you know, you're one of our good ones. So I'm going to forget that you said all that type of stuff. If you want to keep right. your job. So she leaves 
And after he dismisses her, he finds a note that says, those who feed on the soul of Gotham will suffer my wrath. And it's Batman again. And he okay. realizes he's the next target. So now Vicky's being affected because her boss is the next target for the Penguin and Catwoman. Okay. And everything. So it, as you can see, everything is starting to tie together. Um, Shaw was the guy who got killed and had his, his uh, you know, blood smeared on the wall with a bat symbol. The drug right. guy gets out of right. prison, but then a pigeon flies by and drops uh, a pellet in there that creates that basically causes the whole car to explode. So Penguin's basically ticking off all these rich dudes okay. throughout. And that causes Gordon to go to Bruce to go to Wayne Manor. And first Bruce is like, does Gordon think I'm Batman? But Gordon's like, well, you Shaw and these other guys, you guys help make up the five families of Gotham. Okay. And someone's targeting you. And so this kind of predates the Scott Snyder comics where it was talked about the first families of Gotham being the Waynes and the Canes right. and everything like that. This is before, you know, this is before any of that type of shit. Ham already the had those hexes ideas too. Isn't Jonah Hex family uh, related to that? To uh, maybe. I mean, beginnings of Gotham. Scott Snyder established the first families were the Waynes, the Canes, the Crowns, the Cobblepots, and the Elliots. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, funny enough, the Cobblepots, you know, Penguin is not one of the five families in, in this one, obviously, but he's going after the five families. And Bruce decides, okay, well, I got to get to the bottom of this. What do we have in common? Like, why, or why, why is the Batman imposter slash Catwoman doing this? So he goes to the Flugelheim Museum. Remember that museum? <laughs> yeah. It's the museum where uh, Joker attacked and uh, tried to kidnap Vicky Vale. So that would have came back right. uh, because there's an Egyptian exhibit there. And the opening and at the opening is, you know, Bruce goes there to meet uh, the fifth family member. His name is Tiptree. So he's there to meet Tiptree and the newspaper guy who's Vicky's boss. Okay. Um, and find out, you know, what could, you know, why would they be going after this? And he also runs into the curator of the exhi Egyptian ex exhibit, Selena Kyle. Okay. Selena works for the Flugelheim Museum in this version and helps fundraising. And she's clearly interested in Bruce because she knows that he's, you know, he's another rich dude and everything. So she, he's another target. But Bruce doesn't know that, obviously. And Vicky's clearly jealous because she sees clear attraction between Selena and Bruce. So we kind of have this banter between Vicky and Selena over Bruce Wayne every time like that. They're sort of subtly fighting over him. And Selena gives her card to him, wanting to meet up with him. And again, Bruce doesn't know that she's Catwoman right now. Okay. Um, so Selena tells Bruce when they sort of meet privately, she wants to see his collection at Wayne Manor. And Bruce is like, I don't have much of a collection. I just have this armory, you know, okay. and, and stuff like that. But she wants to take Bruce's raven uh, and everything. It looks like they're about to kiss, but then Bruce gets an allergic reaction <laughs> to Selena's cat. What? Uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, Batman having uh, cat allergies is not the greatest. Uh... <laughs> Uh, and Selena's cat is named, I'm going to mispronounce Hecate or Hecate. It's, it's the same name as the cat in some of the old comics, as well as the cat in the 66. Can, can you spell it real quick? H E C A T E. He yeah. Hecate yeah, or something. Yeah. So yeah. anyways, he leaves the museum because he's having an allergic reaction to the cat. Honestly, I think ham could have written a different ending to that scene. And while aside, he, he, he glances and sees a newspaper that says tall, Hey, tall, dark and handsome. And she's like, Oh, Catwoman has a message for me, even though he doesn't know he just left Catwoman. Right. And she says, Christmas is coming. Why don't we trim the tree together? And he realizes Catwoman is inviting Batman to the tree lighting ceremony. Okay. So that's there from the beginning. So there's another tree. Tr there's a tree lighting ceremony in this version, too. So Batman is like waiting to see what's happening at the tree trimming tree lighting ceremony. And at that time, the newspaper guy, the, the you know, Vicky's boss is like, I'm getting the fuck out of this country because someone's killing everybody. They're taking their ravens. I'm going to take my raven, too. 
So he tries to take his Raven, but Catwoman, uh, he basically is, he, he tries to take an elevator up to the top of the Gotham Globe building so that the helicopter can take him away. But Catwoman attacks the helicopter and Penguin attacks the elevator that he's in. Okay. And he's there with a bodyguard and there's this horrific moment where the bodyguards like I'm going to check in what's going on because I f- we hear something on top of the elevator. So he opens the hatch of the elevator and he sees just a whole bunch of pigeons there and all of them attack him. And the newspaper guy in the elevator just he just he just sees the guy's legs just moving and everything and he's screaming and blood is flaring and he he drops and you just see this guy's face has been completely pecked off and everything. <laughs> Holy shit. And Penguin is talking to the newspaper guy. And, you know, he's like, if you want to live, then you'll give me the Raven. Okay. So he hands over the Raven and Penguin's like, thank you. And he basically sends, sends the pit birds to kill the newspaper guy and sends the elevator all the way down where it kills the guy uh, for good. Uh, and to frame Batman further, Penguin has his henchmen dress up as the Red Berets, as the, uh, you know, the Batman followers. And they shove the guy's body out into the street. Okay, and then he causes basically a whole bunch of bats to fly out of the tree, just like in the movie. So okay. everything's been framed towards Batman, except instead of like one thing, like in the movie, it's just a whole series of different murders. Batman's like, I got to stop this, so he tracks down Catwoman, and they get into a fight at the top of the Gotham Globe building, uh, and she basically kicks his ass. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what happens in Returns, actually, right? Yeah, the first fight both they versions, Yeah, they both in both versions, his first encounter with Catwoman, she kicks his ass, which. I don't know. I mean, he trained in God knows how many martial arts. That's a thing. It's like, <laughs> what is her training? You know that they don't really go into that because they don't really have an answer for it. I feel like, uh, yeah, not, not in this you mean incarnation. The comic or, oh yeah. in this incarnation is not explained. She's just like a career criminal and stuff like that. But I'm just like, still like, you're going to beat Batman. What's the general explanation for it, for it in uh, the comics? Ted, as far as Grant. Fighting? Ted Grant. Uh, for those who don't know, Ted Grant is, um, wildcat. The, Justice Oh yeah. The Justice Society of America's uh, favorite boxer, but he was the one who supposedly trained uh, both Bruce Wayne, her, I think even Superman at one point. He's definitely the Black Canary. He's basically the go-to superhero to train other superheroes type of thing. There's a comic uh, where she does get training from him okay. uh, to defend herself and stuff. When she, This is the version where she's up against Stan the Pimp and was a prostitute and, and sex worker and things like that. But anyway... Uh, she nearly tries to Raiders of the Lost Ark Batman by trying to shove him into the helicopter blades. Oh, my God. And he manages to I think Catwoman's hair is exposed in this version under the mask. So he yanks her hair in order to get free from that. Um, and uh, an arm SWAT team shows up on the roof uh, to go after him. And kind of just like in the in the movie where Gordon's like, hold your fire and everything like that. But he, he keeps going after Catwoman and she w- wraps a whip around him and has him dangling off the edge just like in the movie too. Okay. Uh, and she makes a rant about like how men and how they find her intimidating and that, but she finds him attractive because he's different from everyone else. So kind of playing off of the whole like attraction mask, attracted to mask type of thing. Um, and she's like, but you know, you're attractive, but not enough for me to let you live type of thing. So she right. cuts the rope with her talon and Batman's falling, but he uses the glider get to try to get out of it and okay. ends up making a rough landing in the middle of a crowd. Now the crowd is, pissed off at Batman at this point. So oh, they all right. try to attack him. They try to take his mask off, but it looks like Batman's learned from the last movie. Cause remember in the last movie, the thugs tried to take the, the mask off Yeah, and Vicky, uh, you know, started taking pictures. So when they tried to take it off, the uh, mist or sort of a gas comes out of the bat emblem that uh, knocks a few of them out. 
and Batman sort of gets revived, fights them off, starts fighting off cops, and takes one of their horses and goes off on horseback. So again, okay. we got Sam. I don't know what it is with Sam Hamill liking Batman on horseback, but he's back on horseback. Bullock is leading the cops to go after Batman, and Batman's like, how do I get out of this? And he sees the statue of General Wayne, his ancestor, and he remembers what Vicky told him about uh, that one kid. Mm-hmm. and everything he's like maybe that kid can help me so he takes off his cape and attaches it to the horse and sends the horse off so that the cops keep chasing after that okay. and hides under you know hides in the hideout and he finds this sort of this like little home that this kid's made out for himself and among the belongings there is this red and green gymnast outfit with a yellow cape and an r symbol on it okay he's like hmm, that's interesting so batman takes off his mask and tries on some of the clothes that's there but dick discovers him and he's like hey that's mine you're an intruder right. and fights him and it's not until Dick gets a good look at him that he not only sees Bruce's face, but he sees the bat insignia and he realizes, holy shit, this is Batman. And there's like this tense standoff where they look at each other as they hear the cops and everything. Right. And Bruce is like, is this kid going to rat me out or is he going to help me? And Dick grabs a coat and throws it to Bruce. And then he runs out and basically tries to distract the cops. And he helps. He basically helps Bruce escape. Okay. So it shows that he's kind of on their side. So Bruce goes back to Wayne Manor and there's this great exchange here where Alfred's like, you know, Commissioner Gordon called. He wants to install a full contingent of police guards here at the manor in round the clock shifts to protect you from Batman. And Bruce is like, what did you tell him? And Alfred says, well, I told him that since you were a Batman, you required no protection from Batman. <laughs> Bruce is like, thanks, Alfred. So <laughs> Selena visits the manor. Okay. Un- uninvited. Bruce is like, what are you doing here? And she's like, well, I want to see your collection. So they end up in the armory room from the 89. Movie. Oh, the same one. Yeah. Huh? So I got that thing from Japan, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a missing page in the script. <laughs> so if anybody has page 87 of the Batman 2 script, I'd, I'd greatly appreciate that's it. That's <laughs> interesting. I wonder why that's cut, cut I out. I don't know. There's two pages from the script that I didn't get to read. And that's so one he, of them. he must have liked that scene and how it was shot because he he added it again. Well, yeah. Also, Wayne Manor presumably would have been the same Wayne Manor set. Right. As well. Right. I remember everything was already They, they had no idea. But it would have been cool to see that again, you know? And so I think what happens... I'm reading between the lines is that Selena asked Bruce, like, do you have any like Raven statues? And Bruce is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And Selena feels Selena then leaves being like Bruce Wayne doesn't know anything. And meanwhile, I think because of her asking about it, Bruce goes to Alfred and he's like, I think Selena Kyle's the Catwoman. Okay. So they look into her background. And he's like, yeah, every major art theft in the last five years, she's been close to it. And she's been covering as a museum curator. Right. At each time. So that's kind of a cool cover. I'm surprised they don't use that in the comics more often. Uh, but he's figured out now Catwoman and Selena are the same person. But he's like, why does she want a raven? And that and that causes Alfred to be intrigued. And he's like, did you say raven? And Bruce is like, yeah, why? And he's like, well, your father had a raven statue. Mm-hmm. And Bruce is like, well, where is it? What happened to it? And he says, well, after your father was killed, it was collected by George Tiptree. George Tiptree being the father to the last surviving, the last you know other rich dude who's still alive. So Bruce visits Tiptree. And Tiptree is like, didn't you ever wonder where it came from, Bruce? All the privilege, all the power, all the money. Right. Where did your money come from, Bruce? Right. So it's like, okay, what's going on? What the hell is going on? So he's like, the Ravens are a map, the key to incredibly vast fortune. And Bruce asks, whose fortune? And Tiptree says, Gotham cities. Okay. So we have a flashback to 1880, where the Gotham City treasury was, was looted. So we see an 1880 fucking Gotham. Yes. All right. Gotham okay. City is looted the, the treasury is looted by five men and maybe like a week or so later while the city is su- suffering from some sort of depression five rich men loot them out and that became the five families including 
General Oliver Wayne, who is the one whose statue is where Dick Grayson was hiding out. Tiptree reveals, of course, the five families started out as the five robbers who looted the treasury. Okay. That's how they became rich, which means that Bruce Wayne's money comes from a crime. Okay, gotcha. So so in order that's to, cool. So is yeah. that is that part the origin of the Wayne money? Is that just this incarnation? It's just this version. It's just okay. Ham's version of it to because of this whole class warfare theme of the rich being corrupted and everything like that. Is that different from version to version? Of, the, the where the Wayne money comes from? It's different from the comics. I don't think the comics I think in the comics it's made legitimately. Okay. Think, yeah. yeah. Um, so they still had leftover treasure where they were getting their money from. So okay. they each decided to hide it out in City Hall. And in order to disclose where it is, you have to, each one of them had to install a Raven statue into certain like holes in the City Hall in order to reveal the location. Okay. So each family was given the Raven. Okay. So that's where this comes from. Penguins going after that treasure. Okay. Uh, and Tiptree says, we've all been feeding on the soul of Gotham this whole time. And Bruce is like, this doesn't make any sense because my dad was an honorable man. He wouldn't want anything to do with it. If he knew money came from a crime, even if it came from years ago, he wouldn't want anything to do with it. Tiptree, right. And Tiptree says, he was a decent man. He was an honorable man. That's why our parents had them killed. Okay. And we flash back to Jack Napier shooting the Waynes. And it was revealed that Napier was working for the four other families. This is so fleshed out. <laughs> yeah. It's the most fleshed out I've ever heard this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is It is way more, the, the plot makes way more sense. It's a way more realistic than anything Batman Returns. But it's yeah, also, as you can yeah. see, it's an ongoing mystery, and Batman's a detective figuring all this shit out. Like right. It it's predates what presumably would be the, the Reeves version of, right. of Batman as like the detective story of Batman. Even right. the Raven statue feels like a callback to the Maltese Falcon in a way. So, right. uh, you know, Tiptree says they killed him to protect their secret, and now the bills come come due. So basically, okay. Tiptree says, for whatever reason, Batman is out to kill all of us for and wants that treasure. And Bruce is like, well, I know it's not Batman because I'm Batman. So he, he doesn't tell him that. But he, he goes back to the, the Wayne <laughs> yeah. Manor, and there's this sort of interesting scene where he's we finally get some time away from the um, from the plot a little bit where he's just in his bedroom staring at the ceiling and quote, the weight of his heritage is crushing him down. Okay. Sort of feeling like the only way he got his money was through crime and that's everything he hates and everything like that. That would be such a cool turn. Actually, you know? I would, I think that's a really good addition to the mythos. It's, so I don't cool. know if it needs to be in every uh, incarnation, it's, but it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So Vicky wants to be there for him, but Alfred says, you know, I realized long ago there are places in Mr. Wayne's heart, which no one will ever be able to penetrate. Even you, and okay. he loves you, but in certain ways, he will always be alone. So right, it's right. very, there's already more character exploration in Bruce Wayne than in any, than in any of Batman Returns <laughs> right. right here. So Tiptree, the other rich guy, plans to give up his raven to quote unquote Batman and in order to protect himself and protect the rest of his family. So he sneaks out of police protection. And luckily, Bruce Wayne in his previous visit gave Tiptree a present. Okay. It wasn't really a present. It was a tracking device. <laughs> So he has Alfred driving around uh, so that he can track Tiptree to where the real culprits are. And Penguin is asking Tiptree to meet him in a subway tunnel, which is where Dick Grayson happens to be hanging out with a bunch of homeless people and is seeing something suspicious going on. So, so Dick Grayson sort of follows Tiptree through and Tiptree finds Penguin. And Tiptree's like, you're not Batman. And Penguin quips, no, I'm his brother-in-law, Birdman. <laughs> and, whoa and Birdman! i know kind Eden. of foreshadowing yeah whoa uh and tip tree pulls out a gun and tries to shoot penguin 
And Penguin's umbrella, however, is bulletproof. And it's also a gun. And, and Penguin shoots him to death with the umbrella. Yeah. And he's like, ha. Huh. Uh, and, and, but Tip Tree, before he died, tells him, like, I have two ravens because Bruce Wayne, you have to leave Bruce Wayne alone. He has nothing to do with this. And Penguin tells Catwoman, ha, huh, we have the last two ravens, which means, you know, it's time. Okay. And right when he tells that to Catwoman, Dick Grayson steals the suitcase. Oh, my God. And then How the was he even there? Well, I just told you because he, 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 oh. he saw he saw he thought something was suspicious yes. about Tip Tree. Yes, right, right, right. Yes. <laughs> and then the next page is missing from the copy. So I don't know what, what? happens. Okay. But afterwards, thankfully, thankfully, not a lot, because the next page I was able to read, presumably Batman comes to Dick's rescue and is fighting Catwoman in the subway while trains are coming and everything. <laughs> we have this cool underground sequence it would be really harrowing to see because he's trying to dodge the trains and everything. Catwoman at one point makes Batman turn on his cape glider. And Batman's like, oh, shit, not here, not here, not here, as the wind like picks him up and, and makes him That would away. be incredible, but think about this being shot in 91 yeah. with no <laughs> CG whatsoever. Very expensive. Very expensive real trains. Maybe well, maybe they might use um, what you call it. Miniatures. Um, miniatures and, you know, superimpose it or whatever, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So Dick has the Ravens and he's running off of them until he gets shot. In the shoulder, in the shoulder. But uh, Penguin shoots him and takes the takes the suitcase with the statues, and he and Catwoman make off the statues. Batman, who's been battered because he got you know, Catwoman turned on his glider and he got hit by the trains and stuff, he makes his way to the wounded Dick Grayson and takes him, um, obviously to Wayne Manor. Um, Penguin goes to City Hall and he's like, "All right, let's do this." And so he installs all the Ravens, and the building starts moving and the gears start showing, and it it ends up opening up and he finds a box. And Penguin and Catwoman open the box, and inside is a piece of paper. And he's like, well, the treasurer ain't here. And instead, it's another map. And it's a map that points to the treasure. And Penguin says, oh, look at this. Tip Tree said Bruce Wayne didn't know anything about this. It's right under Wayne Manor. The treasure's been there all along. And he takes a closer look of his monocle, and he's like, looks like it's in some kind of cave. <laughs> oh, shit. So we cut to Wayne Manor, and Dick Grayson wakes up, and Vicky Vale's there. And she's like, hey, you know, you've been wounded and everything. And Dick Grayson's like, I don't want anything to do with you, lady, and everything. Like, I want to just go back to where I was. You can't make me stay. And then Bruce Wayne shows up in the doorway and he says, I can make you. Okay. And Dick Grayson realizes he's in Batman's house and he backs down. Um, Alfred questions Bruce in terms of like, what are you going to do with this kid? Because, you know, we got to find his parents and shit. Bruce says he hasn't got any parents. And Alfred's okay. like, how do you know that, sir? And Bruce says, I know. So, okay. <laughs> The it's never outwardly said that his parents were killed or anything like that, but it's it, there's enough implied that there's a connection there. Right. He knows that he's an orphan kid and that's why he was in the streets and everything. Right. Um, but this is still like a rebellious, you know, 13, 14 year old kid and things like that. So Dick at one point tries to escape from the house. And in the meantime, Bruce gets a call from Selena and Selena is like, hey, like, I want you over. We should go on a date type of thing. And Bruce is like, oh, sure. But in the meantime, packs the utility belt. And he's like, all right, she's going to be ready for Batman. She's not going to be ready for Bruce Wayne. Okay. I'm going to try to end this. Hey, everybody, it's Andrew. I just wanted to tell you about our friend Israel's retro gaming shop, RetroCo. If you go to retro-ko.com, you'll be able to see all of his retro gaming goodies. If you wanted to get that Sega Saturn hidden gem from back in the day, or if you wanted to get the Famicom disc system that you never got as a kid, or any other type of retro game that you were into, or uh, import game, 
please go to retroco.com. That's retro-ko.com. And if you use the Superhouse code Johnson's Ballsack, you'll be able to get a little bit of a discount at checkout. So please, once again, if you could just go to retroco.com, you can also go to facebook.com slash retroco with no hyphen. That's R-E-T-R-O-K-O. You'll be able to find him on Facebook as well. If you were looking for that PlayStation import game that you never got, if you were looking for that Mega Drive game that you never got, or any other kind of retro game, any import game, it could even be European, Israel also curates bundles at RetroCo, and he'll curate that bundle just for you. So please, go check him out. If you put in the code Johnson's Ballsack at checkout, you'll receive a Superhouse discount. So it goes to the quote-unquote date where Selena sort of pounces and kisses him. Okay. And her lipstick, foreshadowing Poison Ivy, has some sort of paralytic drug. And Bruce okay. goes unconscious before he can use anything in the utility belt. Okay. We cut back to Wayne Manor. Vicky and Alfred are worried. And they see Bruce's car return. And Vicky's like, oh, thank God. The door opens. And Bruce's body, his unconscious body, goes right to the floor. As Penguin walks in and yells, Merry Christmas. And he, Catwoman, and their thugs invade Wayne Manor. That would be a fucking yeah. crackerjack third act. This <laughs> yeah. is the third act, right? This is the third act. Yeah. It's all in Wayne Manor. So they invade Wayne Manor. They take Vicky and Alfred hostage. There's something about attacking that spot you feel is safe. It's vul- yeah, very, very good. This is where he's vulnerable. Yes, yes. Uh, and the only one who's outside seeing all this happen, because remember, Bruce is unconscious through this, and the other yeah. our other heroes are uh, hostage, is Dick Grayson. He's looking okay. outside, and he's like, oh, shit, this is happening. Uh, Penguin's interrogating everyone. He's like, how do you get to the cave? Okay. And Vicky and Alfred don't know why he's asking that. They're like, does he know that Bruce is Batman? That type of stuff. Um, in the meantime, Dick figures out a way to ransack. The, you know, f- they, he figures out how to get in as they ransack the house. Penguin and Catwoman are trying to like, how do you get to the cave? Is there right. some secret entrance? That type of shit. Dick rescues Bruce and Bruce is like, get me to the library. And okay. they go into the Batcave. Um, and to distract them from the Batcave, Alfred tries to distract some of the goons, but the goons shoot him. But they, they wound him. They wound Alfred because okay. you can't have Alfred get killed. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be rough. Yeah. So Bruce gets uh, to the Batcave, but Penguin finds the room where Bruce was in and finds that Bruce Wayne is missing. He's like, where the hell is Wayne? So you've got this sort of fun, tense, like chase around Wayne Manor type of shit. Bruce is in the Batcave and he's like, all right, now you're in my home. Okay. And he sets off the security measures, which mean that all the windows suddenly start. All these like metal barriers start closing over the windows and stuff. And he's trapped. Okay. Penguin and Catwoman in his own place. The whole like you thought that I was locked up in here with you. You're locked up in here with me <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. So Penguin's like, what the hell is going on type of thing? Who's doing this? Dick goes out to fight Penguin's thugs. He gives a gun to Alfred. Vicky escapes, tries to phone the cops, but ends up getting confronted by Selena. And that's where we get the obligatory 1990s cat fight. Uh, between Vicky okay. Vale and Selena Kyle. In the Vicky kid. Vale can't fucking fight, though, can't she? She gets her ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> but Batman yeah. shows up to save Vicky, and Batman winds up in the armory room with Catwoman, and that's where shit goes down, where they pick up different weapons from the armory room. See, that's fucking badass, dude. It's that's amazing. fucking awesome. This is like, ba- why so did Bat- we see that? Batman swings a sword in um, one of the Arkham games, right? There's a there's a swashbuckling Batman in one of those, and I always thought that was really Probably great imagery. Probably right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So like he at one, I think he ends up like he's like swinging a mace or something and he ends up getting her. At one, at, it's, it's really like, holy shit. I didn't realize that. Like it makes so much sense. 
to plan yeah. the armory there in 89 and then have an action sequence in there. Or you just didn't really think about it until you see it. That's a, this is great. So, yeah, Penguin. Great. Yeah. Uh, Penguin figures, you know, follows Vicky into the Batcave and he's like, ah, here's the cave. And he as he looks in, he's like, holy shit, Bruce Wayne is Batman. <laughs> so Catwoman and Batman get into a fight. Catwoman le leaps on a chandelier to swing and attack him. But Batman cuts the line with one of his gadgets and she falls from a chandelier onto the ground and glass cuts her all over the place and she's injured on the ground and Batman gets closer to her and Dick Grayson's there too and he's watching what's happening and Catwoman, Catwoman's like do it kill me right and uh, Batman refuses and she tries to even slit her own throat with the talons but Batman knocks her out instead and okay. Dick Grayson's like you should have done it man you should have killed her and Batman just glares at him <laughs> so like even though Batman might have killed in the previous version uh, Ham's Batman in this one refuses to Okay. Uh, at least until we get to what happens next. So Penguin has <laughs> Vicky hostage, and they're walking on the catwalk of the Batcave because he's like the treasure is somewhere down there. Okay. Uh, and Batman tries to confront him, but he can't move because Penguin's got Vicky hostage, and he sees they see it, and they they see the treasure basically in his grotto down below. And uh, Batman throws a sonic device that causes all these bats to come out because he's in you know Penguin's in his home now. And the right. bats swarm around Penguin, and Penguin looks in shock because, quote-unquote, he's been beaten at his own game. He's been using ping pigeons the whole movie right. against people, and now bats are swarming around right, him. Right, right, right. And basically, Penguin falls into the abyss as the bats take him down. Okay. So that's the end of Penguin. It's kind of the only time where Batman kind of kills in this. Um, <laughs> the cops show up, and Bruce says that, you know, oh, Batman saved us, and Catwoman was, was behind the murders. And Gordon's like, oh, he's relieved that Batman's name is cleared. This is the only draft of this movie where Batman's name is actually cleared at the end. Okay. <laughs> like, the movie is just kind of like, yeah, the bad signal's back up at the end. I guess right. they kind of figured out that Batman was behind it. Oh, right. Yeah, that's kind of a never uh, loose plot hole in, <laughs> yeah. the, in Batman Returns, huh? Um, and Vicky asks, Bruce, what are you going to do with the treasure now that you know that that's there? And Bruce says, well, it might be a good start on a place to live for some people who don't have one. So it's implied that he's going to rescue all the homeless people who got uh, taken out of the Gotham park with that money to build them something. Um, and we sort of wrap up with Bruce telling Vicky, okay, it's Christmas, open your present. And she's like, what is it? And it's revealed to be a diamond ring. Oh shit. He's going to get married. And we sort of end on Bruce having come full circle and made a family for himself with Vicky, Dick and Alfred. That would be cool. Fade to black. And that would have been how Ham ended it. So as happy I said, ending. yeah, a happy ending. Probably, as I said, probably the best use of Robin in any of the Burton related scripts. Right. Because he actually plays a role. Right. Um, way better plot than any of the other drafts that we've been going over. Um, however, the downside is I feel like the villains are less interesting in this. Penguin right. and Catwoman seem one dimensional, very one dimensional compared to the way that they're written in the movie. And we don't really get a sense of what their motivations are other than just getting money um, okay. or how they even found out about this five families treasure stuff. It would have made more sense if it was like both of them, like grew up on the streets and had heard the legend of it and things like that and always had that resentment. But they, it's never explored. Maybe it would have been in a future draft that I didn't read. Um, there's like an origin of Penguin in the 80s where he his family owned a pet shop and his mother died and everything and basically the government took it and all that and he he was left with nothing and that's why he turned to crime type, type of thing so if they adapted that that would make more sense but like it's not in there but you can kind of see elements of batman returns in there but also a lot of batman as a detective that we never really got to see 
and stuff that carries over from 89 that you realize would have been really fucking cool to see in the sequel. Okay. But that was the Batman 2 script by Ham. This is the very first one. This is the very first one that we're going over. One thing that, you know, you I notice, well, I guess kind of obvious, but just to put it out there on the podcast. Yeah. First one took like 10 years to make. Finally, it comes out in 89. Yeah. This movie came out, what, 92? Yeah. This was fast track. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I guess, you know, 89 was a fucking phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, they were like, another we one yeah. yeah, let's get this shit going right now. Yeah. So I guess maybe some stuff was just rushed, you know? It might have been, but doesn't the thing is the writing of it doesn't feel that rushed. Like it, it feels close to like you can feel like it's a movie, you know? Right, right, like right, it's it, true. The, the plot of it is the kings are all there. If there was going to be a rewrite, I probably would have fleshed out Penguin, Catwoman, and Dick Grayson more, and, right. and probably a little bit more of uh, of Bruce. But in that know? weird, like that, like Sam Ham seems to have an interest actually in Batman. Yeah, like you Ham know? is the unsung hero of these movies and sort of one of the underrated screenwriters of this because each draft that I've read of his would have been a great Batman movie uh, and was better than what we ended up with, you know, in, in both cases. So it's a shame that they never really stayed true to that. And, you know, if they ever, obviously, you know, he's still alive and everything, you know, he's still working. So like, I would love to see him take another crack at, uh, you know, a Batman movie in the future. But uh, it, it's, it feels like he had, this is the one that stays the truest to the Batman character, somewhat true to Penguin and Dick Grayson, not that true to Catwoman, but like the elements are still at least there. They're just made more interesting in the later draft. Right. All right. So uh, obviously Keaton would have been back as Batman. Basinger is Vicky, more or less. Who knows what would have happened between her and Peters. Uh, Michael Goff is Alfred. Pat Hingle is Gordon. I'm going to kind of like what I did with the Mankiewicz and Ham scripts. I'm going to do a fan cast of this, except I'm going to skip a majority of the characters. They will already would have been cast. Uh, for the penguin, I kind of said this before, but uh, I see Tim Curry in a, in a big fat suit playing this version of penguin. He, you know, Curry was a very popular villain actor at the time, and he, you know, it's it's very easy to hear him read these lines where he's very much the prim and proper yet still deadly type of penguin with kind of a sarcastic personality to him. Again, not as interesting as the penguin in the final movie, but still a good characterization. Right. Uh, for Robin, this was a little tough because there's not there weren't really a lot of teen actors who would be of age of it. But I imagine this is more of who would have been cast at the time. But I'm pretty sure the kid from Terminator 2 would have been cast at the time at this because he would have been right oh, around that yeah. age. Edward Furlong. Edward Furlong. Because yeah. he was like, I don't know, kind of like 12, maybe in 91 for Terminator. And I'm sure Warner Brothers would have been like, that's Robin and shit. And then would have had him. It's possible. Come yeah. back for this. Uh, Catwoman. She's a half Asian Catwoman, so I put Tia Carrera for this one. Okay, I can All see right. her play the sort of '90s, very sexualized version of Catwoman. Not as good as Pfeiffer, but you know, if they went with the script, she would have done this justice to the version that Ham wrote. Right. So. Right, right, right. Those who I would have done. This is the only fan cast I'll do because the next script is basically the prototype blueprint for the returns that we saw. Okay. So, Ham finished the script. Burton read it and Burton hated it. Unfortunately, why? Why would did he say why he hated it? I think it's because there. First off, Burton is for those who you know, big surprise. But Burton's not that big on plot. It is a very plot heavy. <laughs> yeah, Batman why? movie. The whole so strange to me because I like I like plot. Me too. I'm a plot guy. It's it's the mystery element, the detective element. It's all great. It's all there, but Burton wasn't down for it. This doesn't. It's it. To be honest, it. 
you can see the Burton who directed 89, who's being very much controlled by Warner Brothers and John Peters and Peter Goober right. directing this, but not the Tim Burton who's post 89 Batman, who is given more free reign, uh, who did Edward Scissorhands and shit like that. I can't yeah. really see that one being down for this At one. At this point, he hasn't made a bad movie. Right. So he, he's like, I, I can justify this. So unfortunately, Ham got fired from this. Uh, which is unfortunate because I, I after reading his scripts, I, I think the movies would be even better if they followed his writing more. Well, the other thing here is I think you can say that Burton really likes the villain. He and, does like and, the villain. And yeah. this is more of a Batman movie, the, the one that Sam Hamm wrote. That, as well as the fact that there were a lot of ties into the 89 movie with the Flugelheim Museum, the Armory Room, Vicki Vale being back. He wants to distance himself. He from wanted that. to distance himself from it to the point where I think he even told the, the next screenwriter, Daniel Waters, who ended up writing the final movie. Um, he's like, why don't we just call it Batman again? <laughs> like, he, he, okay. he almost didn't want it to be a sequel. He okay. didn't like references to it, which is probably also why the mayor's different. Uh, Vicky Vale didn't come back. Harvey Dent didn't come back. Alexander Knox didn't come back. Okay, like, so many different elements changed, right, and right. he didn't even have it shot in in London when there was when it would have been cheaper to go there because there were, already was a set. Right, you know. Right, it's a shame too because the end on first Gotham City feels like Gotham City. This one, even though they were both shot on backlots, the Batman Returns one, even though I still like it, does feel a little bit more like. A Hollywood set with a painted yeah. backdrop. The first one really did feel like a big sprawling exactly. city. Yeah. So it, it is a shame that Burton was so turned off by it. Uh, maybe in an alternate universe, they ended up firing Burton, or Burton decided not to do it, and they just hired someone else to just do the ham, same right. ham draft. But right. whatever the case was, Burton was looking for another take on it, and that's where Daniel Waters comes in. Daniel Waters was the screenwriter of Heather's. Uh, that one know the writer Christian Slater high school movie uh, that kind of have a dark slant to it. And he was originally interested in making a Beetlejuice sequel. Interesting. Uh, they were interested in the Beetlejuice sequel together until the idea of Batman came up and that they wanted to sort of take elements from the Sam Ham draft, but do a very different, more Burton-y take on it. Okay. It was still called Batman too, but what we're going to dive in now is the Daniel Waters draft. Okay. Uh, much like the Sam Hamm draft from the 89 movie, there's there's a lot that made it into the final film, and there's a lot that didn't make it into the final film. Uh, but uh, heads up, in terms of my opinions on this, I tried to reread this draft recently. I really did, and I just couldn't fucking get through it. Why, is this boring? I hate this draft, dude. Like, it's, it's a short to read through because Daniel Waters is not the same screenwriter as Sam Hamm. He is in love with... It feels like... And I mean, no offense to Waters if you're ever listening to this, but... We would still love to have you on the podcast, but at least Please, the 1990s version of you, <laughs> Mr. Waters, he's like in love with his own dialogue. There are monologues upon monologues upon monologues of just very oh, this cheesy This is like dialogue. a Kevin Smith film in a way. It Maybe is, he saw yeah. Clerks. Now Maybe, Clerks yeah, is like 94 or something, actually. <laughs> Maybe Smith was inspired by that. I don't know, but it Maybe. is... There's so much very self-aware satire dialogue bullshit of like, look how clever I am that like I can't get It's like a Max it. Landis type. Uh, yeah, I, I guess, but I, I guess so. Well, let's let's get let's or. get just the 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 major points. Let's get. I, I have. A, let me go yeah. through all the list, but like this is yeah. that was my opinion on it. But okay. it is we open with the birth of Penguin. However, we don't identify them as the Cobblepots. Okay, I think maybe Daniel Waters thought that Oswald Cobblepot was just too unrealistic of a name to go with. I hate it when they want to change shit like that. You know, because Oswald Cobblepot is too unrealistic of a name, but somebody 
you know, getting revived by cats is completely realistic. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. come on, man. Uh, so basically, it's just seen as a rich family, birth of penguin, and everything. The only main difference is that I guess to show that there's a little bit more of a family unit, the uh, the family already has uh, an older kid who like looks at the sort of the the baby crate, and you know, the mom's like, "Honey, don't stare at your brother." type of thing as he's looking through the bars of the crate and everything like that. And uh, then they go out and they dump the, dump, dump the kid down the sewer and all that shit. Uh, then we would have cut to the Batman merchandise store. <laughs> okay. So that would, that's basically stayed through all the different drafts and was even built for the movie. You can even see it. The pictures on once again, 1989 Batman.com uh, of the Batman merchandises and everything like that. Uh, later on, it would have been replaced by Penguin merchandise as Penguin became a celebrity, sort of yeah. showing the whole like comes and goes type of celebrity type of thing. Uh, we meet Penguin early in the sewer. In the movie, it's it's revealed that Penguin, you know, when Penguin may, meets Max Shrek, he is introduced in the sewer, and for about a page, he monologues. <laughs> this is God, this is God. The tone is so jokey, like it's it's just again God for Wesley Strick was the guy who ended up doing the final draft. Uh, and cut a lot of the dialogue stuff. But anyways, there's a lot of expositional expositional dialogue and there's a lot of self-aware bits in this. So like there's satirical humor where the mayor sees the red triangle circus attack and he's like, oh man, I'm going to get blamed for this. And then later on, Batman saves everybody and the mayor's like, I'm going to get credit for this. So like it's very like jokey type of, but also kind of bat- biting satire type of thing. Somewhat cheesy. Um, originally, Alfred, as we saw in the movie, Alfred's in the Times Square in the Gotham Plaza. Right in uh, the original script, what was going to happen was that Alfred was going to try to save a little girl who was being attacked by the Red Triangle Circus gang. And Batman would have seen the you know sort of clowns going after them and used the Batmobile to take those clowns out. And Alfred would kind of just like wave like a thanks over. But like, I'm like, oh, that makes more sense why Alfred was even there in the right. first place. I don't know why that was cut. Uh, what's also cool is that while Batman is saving the day, another group of circus members and Penguin go to where the Batmobile is parked. Okay, and they start scouting it out and take pictures of it, which explains why they have the plans for the Batmobile in the movie. <laughs> okay, remember that he's just like he just randomly has the blueprints. Yeah, that is yeah. never explained at all in the movie. You're right. That's that totally fucking. <laughs> oh my god. So even though I can't really get through the script, there's a lot of plot elements that did not make it in that actually makes more sense. Um, there's a little bit more interaction with Gordon. Gordon, once again, Gordon got fucked. Like, Pat Hingle got fucked in all these movies. All <laughs> of his, all the Gordon scenes that have any substance in them are gone. But, like, Gordon, in the movie, he's just like, thanks for saying the, saving the day, Batman, the Red Triangle Circus is back, and Batman's like, we'll see. That's it. Right. In the original script, it was a longer exchange where Gordon's like, thanks for saving the day, Batman, and, uh, you know, thanks for making us all look like idiots. <laughs> like, he, sort right. of a self-awareness to right. him. And then Batman's about to go save Max Shrek and everything. And Gordon's like, do you need any? And Batman's like, no. Gordon's like, but you can't trust. And Batman says, yes. <laughs> so like, it's very terse, short exchange type of thing. I would have liked that. Right. Um, in the later script that where Wesley Strick uh, came in to do revisions, uh, Selena would have gone home, listened to our answering machine. And one of the messages that was not in the final film was from a rape prevention class saying like hey you haven't been to class lately we're trying to teach you how to defend yourself type of thing so it's sort of implied that selena has had some training in the past that she's hasn't really tapped into okay and it's only when she becomes catwoman that that's how she learns how to fight which sort of explains why she suddenly has fighting moves right um so it's sort of been untapped uh let's see in the original like in the final film penguin captures max shrek in the sewer and he's like you think i would have gone through all this trouble just to kill you 
in the script, Penguin actually does go through all the trouble just to try to kill Bex. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that was Wesley Strick just saying fuck you to Daniel Waters, but that sounds like something there, yeah. But, it does. Uh Max um to save his own hide, Max is like, Well, what if I helped got you the respect of all of Gotham City by making you the mayor? Okay. So this is planted a lot earlier on. And so Max decides, hey, let's take I'll take you back to my office. So he takes Penguin back to his office and he has his two consultants named Punch and Juliet. They became Josh and Jen in the movie, but they're the one, they're the ones where the guy gets his nose bitten off. Oh yeah. They originally named Punch and Juliet and they're like, "Oh, like we're the image consultants and this is sort of just like a play on like celebrity culture where they're just like, "Oh, we'll give you like a cigarette holder and like, you know, we'll put gloves cuz nobody wants to see like your fucking webbed hands." Right. And, and we're going to give you a family-friendly name because we can't call you Penguin. What what does our computer say? Computers say Oswald Cobblepot. So we're going to say your name is cuz so Oswald Cobblepot is a made-up alias in the original draft. Um, uh, I don't know, man. So Penguin is excited. It's just unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> he, Penguin is excited and he walks out because now he thinks that he's going to get the love and respect of Gotham. He walks out one way at the same time as Selena is walking into the office. And Max sees Selena and he's like, did you just see who I was talking to? Because I can't have anybody know who I was talking to. And that's why Max shoves her out the window. Okay. Which actually makes a lot more sense because in the movie, it's kind of this weird thing where A, somehow he has a power plant that'll suck power. I don't get how yeah, that that's works. That's a whole other plot point. <laughs> they bring is, this up. It doesn't go fucking anywhere. Right. It would have in the original draft. But okay. A, her saying that there's a power point that'll suck power doesn't make any sense because I don't get how that works or why he would want that. In the original draft, it actually is just a regular power plant that would just make him rich. Okay. Uh, and second, I don't get why she just was randomly telling him, yeah, I figured out your password and I know your secrets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would she come clean like that? Yeah, so in the original version, it's just she's just there to pick up the Bruce Wayne file and Max assumes that she saw Penguin and he's like, I can't have you knowing that. And she's like, I didn't see anything, I didn't see anything. And she, he shoves her out. Um, around that time, Batman is actually patrolling. So there was a lot of Batman scenes that got cut. Okay. Surprise, surprise. Batman's talking to Alfred Um and Alfred's like, you know, are you worried about, you know, this penguin? I feel like this penguin is an invention by the tabloids. Batman's like, well, that's what they said about me. And as the Batmobile is going around, Selena gets shoved out the window and she lands and she sees the Batmobile and she's like, stop, Batman. Like she wants Batman's help, but the Batmobile drives away. And that becomes key later on when she tells that one woman, you're wasting your time waiting for Batman to save you. You have to save yourself type of thing. Okay. So that plants that motivation <laughs> would have made more sense too. Um, I told you this while we were watching it, but when Penguin rescues the baby and Bruce Wayne's watching, uh, Bruce is, uh, you know, Alfred's like, you don't seem, you know, Alfred sort of dryly says, you're not crying. And Bruce says, I'm not crying. He's not for real. And Alfred says, well, it's certainly the strangest publicity stunt I've ever seen. And Bruce is like, publicity for what? I don't know what, who scares me more, him or the society he so easily makes a fool out of. They deserve each other. So he kind of is, it's already planted. He's bitter about Gotham and feeling like he, you know, he's a thankless hero and things like that. There's a brief mention of Vicky Vale where Alfred says like, oh, here's the ornament that Vicky gave you last Christmas and Bruce throws it into the fire. Oh, my God. So I guess that relationship didn't go as well. Very big contrast to Sam Hamm having <laughs> ending his draft with Bruce. That's proposing all. That, that's the only mention of uh, the, other than the whole like, you know, Vicky, who let Vicky Vale into the Batcave right, joke right, right, in right, there, right, which right. is very forced. But yeah, it, it's it, it, there's at least a little bit more exploration in Bruce's character, even if I don't really care for the idea of it. Uh, so Bruce goes to Max Shrek the next day for the meeting, and there's an extra scene where Max is like looking out the window, wondering what happened to Selena's body. Because he's like, no cops came by. Did a reindeer just fucking pick her up? Right. Bruce comes by, and he's like, what happened to your window? And Max is like, uh, you know, fucking kids, they threw rocks at it. And Bruce is like, no, they didn't. And Max is like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, the glass is on the inside. 
Okay. There's no glass on the inside. Right. So the glass went out. Okay. Shrek's like, oh, well, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> so like, right. This is where I was talking about where Bruce's Batman persona bleeds into his everyday life. Okay. So he's acting like Batman, even though he's there as Bruce Wayne. Um, there's another scene where Bruce runs into Gordon, where Penguin has blown somebody up. Um, there's a sort of recurring theme where thing where like Penguin sets up a bomb rigged at a crosswalk, and that however many times somebody presses the button, if it reaches a certain point, uh, the crosswalk blows up. So uh, that plays in a little later. But uh, somebody's gotten blown up. Gordon's investigating. Bruce shows up, and Bruce tells Gordon like this wasn't set up to kill someone specific. It was set up for a time. And Gordon's like, when did you become such a detective? <laughs> so, again, it's like Batman's bleeding into Bruce Wayne sort of thing. Okay. Around the same time, he tells Selena Kyle, I mistook me for someone else. So there's right. kind of an identity crisis type of thing that, that Waters is playing around with. Uh, Chip Shrek wants to see what's going on with Selena and why she's alive. So Chip Shrek goes to Selena's apartment. For some reason, there's randomly a pit of quicksand in this apartment. Don't ask me how this works. Fucking quicksand? <laughs> yeah. And Chip Shrek winds up in the quicksand and Selena lets him die in it. See, this should have been cut. <laughs> Thank God it was, yes. Yeah. Um Penguin is already out to spread mayhem and stuff and become the mayor. So at one point he has uh sort of Red Triangle Circus gang all dressed up as Batman. Right. And then the real Batman shows up and fights the imposter Batman and confronts Penguin. And this is what I mean by the dialogue. Batman, this is what they he wanted Keats Batman to say. Batman says, quote, you're just another depressing, greedy egomaniac. I don't hate you for being a freak. I hate you for being normal. You're an insult to penguins. That's ridiculous. That's a real line that's in this. Now you know why I can't get through this. Draft. Yeah, it's just yeah, the yeah. dialogue is fucking. That's ridiculous. Uh, he's that's, like, a, that's a fundamental misunderstanding. <laughs> and so Batman's like, you know, do you have any last words? And Penguin says, yes, I do. Laser bunny. And he says that and the signal goes off and it causes pigeons to attack police cars, which is right out of Sam Ham's draft, by the way. Um, so that Penguin can make his his escape. Okay. Uh, a python lady, the snake lady, I don't think there's a snake lady in the, in the movie, but there's a snake lady in this version. She wraps a snake around Batman, causing him to trip, and that's how the dog gets the batarang. Okay. Which makes a little bit more sense than dog being able to snatch a dog. That, that dog, that little poodle in Batman <laughs> Returns, jumps up like fucking <laughs> six feet. Okay, the height of the woman's head, so that would probably be what average five, six. Actually, she was kind of a tall woman, looked like. Let's say five, eight, five. It's, it's still a big jump, yeah. It's a humongous jump for this little ass dog. Mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry. So Batman and Gordon investigate the pigeons attacking the police car, and that's when Catwoman attacks the the Shrek department store, and Batman gets into the fight with Catwoman, and once again she kicks his ass and has him dangling over the edge. More speeches of Batman, where Batman says, "Quote: People hurt, hurt each other. They lie to each other. They're more interested in what I drive than what I stand for. I need their intelligence. They give me their lunch boxes." This is okay. as Batman's hanging from the. I'm like, I don't get why Daniel Waters thought Keaton would say that. This They're is why lunch boxes. Keaton, I think he's criticizing people for turning him into a lunch box hero or something. I don't know. But, but the thing is, that's a little bit too meta too, because the thing is, like, you can say negative things about capitalism, but at the end of the day, Batman fans in the real world really love Batman shit. Right. So we're kind yeah. of like all about the materialistic goods. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. I think in a way it's a, that that line is a little bit going against its own fans. Yeah, and I think I don't know. There's an undercurrent of feeling like maybe Daniel Waters just didn't give a shit about Batman yeah, fans and shit. Right. Where I don't think he really cared about staying true to comic stuff, even though he did stay true at least to the themes of it from from you know what we saw. Why they just at this time they could not talk to a single comic book fan. It seemed like 
Like they would just not. Ham was the closest that they got, and they fired do, him. Do you know about Kevin Smith's story about all this? About uh, Superman? Yeah, he said. Oh that yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they. He said, "Why are you asking me when you can go ask?" Like, there's people that actually write comic books all day long, mm-hmm. and then. He said, oh, those are comic book guys. I forget right, who yeah. said that to him, but he was like, you're a movie guy. The thing is, comic Kevin's books are better. A lot of the comic books are better written than these movies. Yeah, and that's the thing, Majority right? Of the time, yeah. That's so, the thing, and these guys don't get that. Anyway, that's sort of a tangent. Keep yeah, going. but so you can see, Dan- like Daniel Waters did say, Michael Keaton asked him to cut a shit ton of lines. So thank you, Michael Keaton, for doing that. Michael I, Keaton, you are a voice of reason in all of this. I think Keaton, Keaton was basically like, Batman wouldn't say that. Batman wouldn't say right, this, Batman wouldn't right. say that. So, like, that's that's a that's At least you had a fucking period. main actor understanding what the fuck Batman's all about. <laughs> yeah. Because these writers did not, it seems like, at least right. in some at least in some regard. Um, we actually do see a scene of Max uh, asking Penguin why the fuck he blew up his store. We never really saw a reaction from Max Shrek about his store getting blown up. So he thinks that it's Penguin before he found, figures out that it's, that it's Catwoman. So okay. that was kind of cool. Um, there's a little moment where Bruce runs to Selena outside. But before that, Bruce sees like a family. And it sort of reminds him of his parents and shit. Okay. Kind of nice. Kind of has nothing to do with the story, but it's kind of a nice touch. Um, as Bruce and Selena are walking away from the plaza and, you know, talking about their date where she's going to go to Wayne Manor, a bunch of muggers try to attack them. This is what's interesting. Okay. And both Bruce and Selena out of costume fight them off. And Bruce is kind of, and, and at the end of that waters copies Ham's idea of Bruce and Selena nearly kissing only for Bruce to sneeze because a random cat is nearby. What? <laughs> this whole cat allergy shits. I don't yeah, like it. Thankfully it didn't make it to the end. Um, but Bruce later on asked her, he's like, how'd you, how were you able to do that? And she says, quote, I won some karate lessons radio thing. I've been calling for Grateful Dead tickets. Anyway, I took the course. I was the most serious failure. The instructor kept chanting, your mind isn't clear. Your mind isn't. It is now. So, okay, that's no, no. <laughs> but it kind of, I get the idea of it where like she's had previous training. She just never really was able to tap in to use it or tap into that aggressive side until she became Catwoman. That's the idea of it. It's just not really written very well. Right. Um, Bruce uses detective work to find out that Max is bankrolling Penguin through like looking at their checks or something um waters does this other stupid ass thing where the red triangle circus gang are talking about batman and one clown says that he thinks batman's family was killed in a meaningless act of violence and he does the bat vigilante thing out of revenge and the sword swallower tells him nobody wants to hear your boring theories about batman okay (laughs) see what i mean about being self-aware to the point of just being just turning you off yeah, uh, Batman gets framed for killing the Ice Princess. At one point, Batman tells Penguin, "Quote: Drop the umbrella. Your feelings of impotence have gone too far." Yeah. Anyway, similar scene. Batman lands in a crowd uh, with a glider, and he lands once again to an angry mob who want to un- unmask him. And a gas comes out of the Batman breastplate that helps him escape. But I can't credit Waters for that because he basically lifted that from the ham draft. But he's going over. That's his job at this point, though, right? Not to rewrite, well, but to yeah, actually he, he just revise just that revise script. And, and use stuff. But it was a complete, it feels like a page one rewrite because okay. there's no Raven statues, none of the rich guys oh, are in there. You right, know what I mean? Right, so right. it's like it, a story's technically written by him. It's, he's credited for it, but it's also not by him. And so, like, it's, it's kind well, of they cool. They both share scre- credit, though. They both share, they both share credit. It's just me preferring the ham draft to the point where whenever I see yeah. stuff that's from the ham draft in this, all it does is make me remember the superior script. So. Penguin takes over the Batmobile, as in the movie. Okay. And uh, there's a bit of a different ending where in the middle of it, we cut to a mechanic workshop where we meet a scruffy teen 
<laughs> who we refer to as the kid says, quote, is swiping is sweeping the grimy floor of a small, gloomy car repair garage. He wears a wildly tattered grease monkey uniform and a blurring Walkman, which prevents him from hearing the sounds of shouts and sirens. He's like, I don't know why I keep reading this stuff. And for whatever reason, he's reading a Batman comic book. The Batmobile. What? OK, yeah, because right. <laughs> I guess they make comic books out of Batman. Too, it's it's, uh, it's, too, it's a little too much, I think. Very but, self-aware, right. as yeah, I said. Yeah. So the Batmobile arrives. Batman's like, "I need your help." And so the kid, like, does a, he? This kid does a once over of the car, and he find he tells you know as he's trying to look over the Batmobile, he tells Batman how much he admires him, and he's like, you know, I'm trying to get into vigilante business myself. I'm taking on like shoplifters and muggers. So he's kind of like referencing the ham draft again. Okay. Uh, the kid, as he's called, he's never called Dick Grayson. In this he's just called the at kid. all. Nope. The kid okay. finds the device that Penguin was using to take control. And as he finds it, the circus gang shows up and Batman and the kid fight them off in the mechanics thing. And Batman's like, you better get into the car. So the kid gets behind the wheel of the Batmobile and with Batman next to him and they drive off. And during the chase, that's when Batman tells him to turn on the switch that creates the Batmobile to turn to the Bat missile. Okay. And the kid right. helps Batman escape. And then he like, gives that's Batman the official name of it. That's what the, that's what, the, the, the toys yeah, were I, I called so. shit. Yeah. yeah, I think it's called the Bat Missile. He gives Batman his card if he ever needs him. And then as the Bat Batman takes off in the Bat Missile, a bunch of kids' friends show up and ask him, oh, did you see what happened, man? Batman was there. And the kid's right. like, I was part of it. I was in the, you know what? Never mind. And then as yeah. it does it, he, quote, unquote, he brushes his chest, smooths off some grease that reveals an enigmatic R on his uniform. Okay. So uh, there were some rumors. On his mechanics uniform. On his mechanic, yeah, because he's a yeah. car mechanic yeah, in this version. yeah, yeah. Kind of a weird reimagining of it. There were rumors. I heard rumors. I don't know how much of this is just fan fiction of yeah. what would make more sense, but there was rumors that Robin was actually going to start out as a Red Triangle Circus Gang member, only to find out that Penguin killed his parents, and this then is go not against a Penguin. Bad. That's not bad. That's a better idea yeah. than this random mechanic bullshit. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, once again, Alfred says Commissioner Gordon called to warn us that Batman will probably try to attack the elite of the city. Bruce says, what did you tell him? Alfred said, I told that told him that since you are, in fact, Batman, that this does not pose a problem. So again, lifting the lines from him uh, that didn't make it into the final movie. So okay. it's a great line. It's just not in the movie. Uh, Alfred criticizes Batman for letting the kid drive the Batmobile. And Bruce Wayne, that's when Bruce Wayne brings up the whole like, well, who let Vicky Vale into the Batcave type of thing? Yeah. Uh, there's no, okay. So here's where it's different in the final movie. They go to the back cave and penguin has the whole speech and DJ Bruce puts on the whole recording. Type thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no recording in this. The only recording that comes up is Bruce reveals. I sent a Christmas gift to Max Shrek and it's, it's basically a bug. He's bugged Max Shrek's office. Okay. And he's basically sent the evidence that Max Shrek is connected to the penguin and the red triangle circus game to the mayor to try to get Max in trouble. So the mayor bursts into Max's office and he's like, you know, you know, what are you doing? Why are you behind all this? And this is where you reveal Max's endgame. He says, he basically tells the mayor, you know, you rejected me. You rejected the PowerPoint. You betrayed me, admittedly slightly, but still a lesson had to be learned by plucking a disgusting monster from the sewers and giving him your crown. I hopefully taught you one. And the mayor is like, but if we gave you the damn factory, like, can you stop Penguin and the crime wave? And Max says, oh, of course, Mayor, mayor Cobblepot was a joke. I never intended in telling the punchline to. He was okay. using Penguin the whole time. He was just trying to use him against the mayor so they could finally get this power plant out. So this this makes more sense than what we got. Yeah. yeah. We're in, yeah. As opposed to him actually being an ally to Penguin and shit. So Penguin is all excited about his campaign until he goes to Max Shrek's place and finds the entire campaign headquarters have been cleared out. Okay. And then Max calls him and Penguin's like, I don't guess what's going on. And Max says, people came to see you because you were a good show, but you were limited in engagement. 
Did you really think you'd become mayor? A freak causing a recall election? Gosh, I feel bad now. I misled you. You know, Oswald, have you ever considered doing one of those delightful professional wrestling shows? And then he goes on to his own, like, you know, cheesy dialogue and shit. But yeah. self-aware dialogue, it's just, it's like, it's from a person when it's that self-aware, it's, it seems like it's from a person that doesn't really like the source material yeah, at all. And also, I'm fine with it if it's every now and then. If it's, yeah. when it's every scene coming out of every character's mouth, then it's obnoxious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do like the plot better in this of it being Max Shrek has been using Penguin the whole time right. and then betrays Penguin this way as opposed to, you know, Bruce Wayne doing the whole DJ thing with a recording type of thing that he was able to conveniently get, you know. Right. Um, Bruce and Alfred have a heart to heart. This is where Bruce brings up the whole thankless hero thing. He says all these years of battering two bit hoods off their tricycles and the real power of the real evil calmly goes to work in Gotham Plaza and collects man of the year plaques. And Alfred says, Bruce, this attitude of yours, it makes me, is it only the memory of your parents that inspires you? It seems like it. You have as much contempt for the people of the city as Max and Penguin combined. And Bruce says, you don't understand, Alfred. I do care for the weak, pathetic, and gullible people of Gotham City because I'm one of them. Okay. So it's an interesting way for him to see himself, but that kind of wraps up that arc. Uh, <laughs> All <laughs> Al right. Alfred is actually at the at the Max Shrek Max Parade, a party. <laughs> Uh, he's dressed up as a knight. Uh, Alfred is. Yeah. Okay. Alfred attacks the ball and he just plans to blow up the city. Wesley Strick was the one who, who did the whole firstborn sons thing. So Penguin is already going to be like, my babies are going to blow up the city type of thing. Uh, okay. So that firstborn sons thing is a last minute. Addition. Is a last minute. Yeah. Gotcha. Alfred helps Bruce figure out the only place in Gotham that could house so many penguins is the old Gotham Zoo. And Bruce is like, well, I got to make a phone call. So he calls the kid. Okay, and he brings up the kid stole the device that was on the Batmobile, but he needs the kid to use it to help him track down where all the penguins are. Okay, so it's, so it's Batman and Robin working together. Uh, Penguin not only kidnaps Max, but he kidnaps the mayor, Punch and Juliet, those two you know campaign people, all hostage, and he sends the penguins with the missiles out. Uh, and then you know he's got Max Shrek hostage in the cage, and he laughs, and they starts looking again as he sees Max through the bars of the cage, and he remembers his mom saying. Max, don't stare at your brother. And he realizes Max Shrek is his brother. This is amazing. That, that's great. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That's cool. So that explains why Oswald Cobblepot is a made-up name, because Penguin's real name in this is Shrek. I will allow it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I take back what I said it's earlier. A, it's a twist I wanted to hold off until I revealed it to you. But So, okay. It explains. Yeah. All right. I got you. It, I mean, it, it is one of those where I'm like, I get it, but I'm not sure if it, it's kind of cool, but also not nece really necessary either. But it kind of shows like Shrek, the Shrek Penguin connection is a lot deeper, as well as the fact that like Penguin really could have had Shrek's life, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, if he, if he, this had works a lot better. Abandoned. Yeah. So, but also if they do, I know Strick, Strickland, Strick. Uh, what Strick? Yeah. Strick adds this kill the firstborn son well, thing. Strick, so that would be Strick, Strick destroyed the that subplot. He's he okay. Strick got rid of that twist. Okay, it's kind of funny. But if then, but if he but if it wasn't destroyed, that would be interesting because then he would definitely be killing his older brother at that point. Yeah, he right? would. Yeah. So that would that would honestly that would make more sense. Kill the firstborn sons because I was the secondborn and I was number two. So kill all the firstborn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Um. 
So this is where things kind of go off the rails. But anyway, you <laughs> mean more than a penguin than army? army. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, that made so we got that twist. To the end. We got that twist. We got the kid helping Batman get the penguins back to the zoo. Penguin does the whole my babies and shit like that. <laughs> that that shit's great, actually. <laughs> the kid I deep, think it's great. The kid debriefs with Batman. The kid's like, we saved the city or what, man? And Batman's like, getting there. I owe you two. You got a name? And the kid's like, yeah, but I like to be called Robin. Okay. And Batman says, nice name. And he's like, oh, Robin. And he turns around and finds Robin's gone. And Batman smiles because Robin basically pulled the Batman on him. That's good. I will allow it. Uh, and Batman <laughs> tracks down Penguin, and Penguin's on the, the roller coaster of the zoo. And, he, and Batman swoops down, and they have a fight on the roller coaster car. And Batman says, you're so small and cuddly and so much fun to beat. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> That's a real line. That's fucking stupid. And as they're fighting, Penguin says, All I ever wanted was the love of my fellow man and their painful destruction. Batman says, I understand. I protect the people of Gotham City from themselves. That means I must love and despise. I might be the light I must be the light and the dark. Okay. Penguin says, Oh, stall for time much. Life is scary. You're a man who wants to be a bat. I'm a freaky bird who wants to be a man. Did you know that I found out tonight Max Shrek is my brother? Can you believe that? And Batman That's some stupid ass dialogue. <laughs> Batman's, it's two on the nose. I know. Man. Batman snorts and laughs slowly, deeply. Penguin contorts in a wild cackle of camaraderie and says, hey, I wonder what Catwoman's deal was. Batman says, actually, she's my girlfriend. And Batman and Penguin laugh together. This is very Killing Joke-like. Okay. The Batman and villain laughing together type Killing of thing. Joke was written at this point, right? Killing Joke was already written, and Daniel mm-hmm. Waters liked it. Okay. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, Burton was a, was a bigger fan of it. I think Waters is on record for liking The Dark Knight Returns. Okay. Um, which does have an undercurrent of the whole like satire on the public thing, but Miller was way better at writing that than Waters was. Yeah. Uh, Penguin says, you know, we could talk all night about why we do what we do, why we dress the way we do, who had the best childhood trauma, who got the worst genes, who's the real monster and what's truly human. But hey, in the end, it all comes down to who's holding the umbrella. Any last words? And Batman says, yeah, laser bunny, which is the same words that Penguin used to use the pigeons on him, except in this version, except now Batman's got the bats swarming around Penguin. And that causes Penguin to fall off the roller coaster. Uh, Batman's confrontation with Catwoman is pretty much the same. Alfred really shows up while Batman is looking for Selina's body. <laughs> he like, okay. puts a hand on his shoulder. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Uh, we hear Catwoman screams as Shrek is blown up too. So like, it's implied that she is killed as well. Because remember, that was a last minute addition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the movie, yeah. so she was presumably killed. And then we see Penguin, and instead of the whole Penguin coming out and it's all sad and shit, and he pulls out the umbrella, Penguin just kind of falls out of the roller coaster and he says, Catwoman, death is like this, and then he dies. Not as good. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so, that is ridiculous. In Wesley Strick's script, uh, at some point, Batman was going to hold the umbrella gun on Penguin as Penguin was dying. This is another is very cold for Batman like, to do. He's holding a gun. That's what that's that's like a core thing to his character. Yeah. He doesn't like guns. But Batman the Penguin dies of overheating. Presumably in the movie that's that's what he dies of. He dies of overheating. That's why he's like cranking AC. But Penguin dies of overheating before Batman really has a need to use the gun on him. So that's how that ends. Uh there's no again there's no moment where Batman's name is cleared in any version of this. But somehow we still cut to a scene where Gordon the mayor at the bat signal and Gordon's like, think he'll ever forgive us. And the mayor says, probably not, but he'll always help us. I don't know why the mayor's the one who seems to know Batman better than Gordon, but <laughs> that's how it is in the script. Uh, Punch and Juliet uh, are walking around the city and they're like, maybe we can get a job from the Riddler since the penguin's gone. Oh, and really? They, yeah. So there's a mention of Riddler at the end. And then they, they say the Riddler. Or they say they literally Riddler. say the Riddler. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then they press a button on the crosswalk and it blows up because that was the last of Penguin's trap crosswalks. 
So they're dead too. The explosion that killed Max Shrek, Shrek causes the uh, electricity of Gotham City to blink on and off, which is kind of cool because that's exactly what Max was talking about in the beginning of Batman Returns, where he's like, imagine Gotham City, lights blinking on and off, embarrassing low on juice. Well, it is now because they blew up the generator. He got blown up in the generator that caused it. So the bat signal that would show up at the end would be flashing on and off because it, it, the electricity is going on the, on the fritz. Um, some other stuff that wasn't in the draft that I read, but is said to be in different drafts that Daniel Waters did. He said, for two, when asked about Two-Face, this is why I know that Max Shrek wasn't supposed to be Harvey Dent, because he got asked about it, and Daniel Waters said, quote, I flirted with it, having Harvey start to come back and have one scene of him where he flips a coin, and it's the good side of the coin, so he decides not to do anything, and you had to wait for the next movie. Okay. So it would have just been a cameo of Two-Face, it seems like, because otherwise, why would Harvey flip a coin and it's the good side of the coin. It's obviously he meant he meant two face. They really wanted two face. They wanted to find a way to fit two face in, even though uh Warner Brothers was all intended making it Danny DeVito's the penguin. It would have fit uh Burton's aesthetic as well as yeah. a two face. That would have been interesting to see. Also Daniel Waters claims that he would have brought Alexander Knox back. He said, quote, I really didn't like Robert Wool's character, Alexander Knox, the reporter guy. So I had a scene in my script where I had him crucified to the bat signal with his dead body flashing all over the city. Stupid. <laughs> but that guy was sort of annoying. But that guy, that actor's performance is so fucking believable. Mm -hmm. He is so natural on camera. Yes. So I, I think he like the way that Knox was supposed to die in Hamstraff was how that arc would have closed out. I don't know what Waters had in mind, but it undoubtedly would have been worse than what than what Ham ever wrote. So that's some of the stuff that Daniel Waters had for the original draft with a little bit of some of the knowledge of what got changed in the shooting script. That was more or less what you saw in the movie. Okay. Uh, as I said before, Annette Benning was the original choice for Catwoman. However, uh, there was a controversy at the time because Sean Young wanted to come back because she got booted off the first movie. So she made her own Catwoman suit and went to Warner Brothers in the Catwoman suit to track down Tim Burton and freaked everybody out. And apparently it was very, it was very crazy about this. Overzealous, maybe. Overzealous. Yeah, not, so, the, not the way to do it. Right. She even showed up on a talk show trying to be Catwoman and stuff like that. Uh, at the time, they were trying to figure out who to play Robin. Yeah. I'm sure you you probably heard about this, but the kid, the mechanic kid, the idea was that it was going to be Marlon Wayans. Oh, really? Oh, kid. yes. I have heard of this. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Um, supposedly, Tay Diggs was also considered at the time. Okay. Uh, he just very recently said that he was considered for Robin when they were thinking of making Robin black, and this was the only time where that was that would have happened. It's kind of weird timeline-wise because Tay Diggs wasn't really in anything at the time, but yeah. who knows? Like, you know, they might have just been looking for any unknown African-American actor at the time. Yeah. But the, the fact that Robin was going to be in the Batman Returns originally led to DC comics being like, we need to redesign the Robin costume. Cause you can't have him with the, the green booties and the bare legs and shit like that. Oh yeah. So yeah. they turned to Neil Adams to redesign the costume and he made it more covered up and everything like that. And when it didn't go through for Batman returns, DC comics still wanted to use it. And that became the Tim Drake Robin costume in the comics. Okay. So in a weird way, Batman returns played a role in Tim Drake. Okay. In a weird way. Roundabout. Uh, huh? Yeah. Uh, Robin toys were still sold with Batman Returns, even though he wasn't in the movie. Uh, but Are you it was, serious? Yeah. Uh, God, I don't know if I remember that or not. But it was the traditional Robin. Like there was no, there's no action figure of Marlon Wayans. Yeah, 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 Robin, yeah. But still, you know? though, yeah. 
I mean, if it was, that would definitely be a collector's item, you know? Yeah. But it didn't even get to that point. He was hired and he was paid, but he never, he didn't shoot a single frame. Yeah. Of anything. But that is what could have been for Batman Returns. Both the original, the very original ham version and the original draft for the movie we just saw. To me, it seems like if there was some combination of Ham's Batman arc. Yeah. But Burton going full Burton with the villains. It would have been a perfect movie. Like, yeah, better than what we, that's like the best possible of the comp combination of elements. I mean, can you imagine DeVito's penguin storming Wayne Manor being like, Merry Christmas, everybody. I mean, Christmas, like I said in know? the last episode, I had a slight issue. Not that it was bad. I mean, it was it was good. But the whole spectacle of the ending. I think that yeah. it's a it's a at least a half step down from eighty nine Batman, mm-hmm. but if if they were fucking storming the gates of Wayne Manor or inside it, and there was like parasol guns blasting off in the Batcave and the shit, armory scene, yeah, and he's like fucking flying around with the glider in the Batcave and shit, you got Robin there, like it, it could have been really fucking nuts, yeah, you know. So I, mean, I yeah. agree with you, yeah, like yeah, the the portrayal of the villains is really what makes Daniel Waters' script like I can understand why it was made even though I hate the original draft like I, I get it at least it was but, edited to something much better yes much yeah, so better thank you Wesley Strick yeah uh, but the, the ham draft just it's it's like you you sort of weep over what could have been with some of the cool ideas and even if the villains weren't up to snuff they, the Batman as a detective yeah. Bruce Wayne's money coming from corruption the whole corrupt of the rich theme type of that the way that Robin is put in is kind of more interesting than just doing another circus thing, you know? Right. Uh, so I, I, you know, would have loved an alternate universe where that movie was made uh, with more, maybe more fleshed out version of Penguin Catwoman. But again, we probably wouldn't, have, you know, it would be a universe where we didn't see a Michelle Pfeiffer type Catwoman unless they somehow were able to combine this version with the ham draft. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I got for Batman Returns, what could have been, or Batman 2, as both drafts were called. Obviously, I prefer one way more than the other, but right, right. other people might have other preferences. Man, I love doing these. These yeah. are really cool. It's mm-hmm. it's always interesting to see what what could have been. And uh, I don't know, my, I'm, my mind is kind of blown right now, and I'm trying to just take it all in. <laughs> I really. told you these would be even more interesting than the 89 yeah. ones. Because 89 yeah. is pretty straightforward. We're just like, okay, it's Batman's origin. He fights Joker. And this one yeah. is just like, look at how many different directions this could have gone, and the whole Max Shrek twist and everything. Like it's Max Shrek being his brother and then trying to get Robin in again. One of the most interesting things to all, all these histories, this one and the last one, is, is how Robin didn't make it yeah. again. Mm-hmm. And like you had the, the you know Ben Affleck and um, Matt Damon in the first one, and then for it, yeah. talking about an African American Robin this time around, and I, man, it's like that's it's it's just mind blowing. They finally get forty year old Chris O'Donnell <laughs> <laughs> for Batman Forever. <laughs> I so, do wonder how history would have gone if Marlon Wayans was Robin, you know, for for Batman Returns. Even though I might not care for the characterization in the script, just the fact that you could get you know you get a black actor as Robin, it changes a lot of, you know, because there were the whole, you already had a black Harvey Dent. Now you got a black, you know, Dick Grayson, presumably yeah. like there's, yeah. there's a lot of different directions you can go. Presumably you could have Billy D Williams come back against Marlon Wayans as Robin, you know, like it's, there's a lot of different directions they could have gone in. Let me ask you a question. This is a side tangent. Sure. Related though. Yeah. Uh, 
did you think growing up that the Batman animated series two face was black? I didn't. I, but, uh, but that's a thing though, isn't it? I, that's what I've heard people say, but I don't think he is. He looks more, I think we talked about this in a past episode. I think, uh, Joey brought up that he would have cast Bobby kind Valley because Bobby kind Valley looks like Harvey Dent from the cartoon, which Cal- means kind Valley would be wonderful kind Valley. So to me, that means that Harvey Dent looks like he's an Italian dude <laughs> or Italian American. Yeah. In the series, so yeah. my brother, yeah. my adoptive brother, so that he grew up thinking that, um, that 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 animated one was was black, and uh, I did not know that until <laughs> I did not know people even thought of that. But then I looked it up. If you Google this, if you're also like you know uh, flabbergasted like I was right now listening to this podcast, Google it, and you will find that this is a thing. People do think this. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, yeah and I never thought that. And when I first heard about it, I was like, really? I considered it, and then I rewatched yeah. it. I'm just like, this doesn't. He's also voiced by a white actor. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I'm just like, uh, like I don't know. Like, the, the theory is that he's like just racially ambiguous enough, plus the Billy D. Williams connection. So right, I don't because know. Penguin, like Bruce Tim, was on the set of Batman Returns. Was he really to draw Devito, and that's where he drew the Penguin. Uh, Batman animated series version off of. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and similar thing with Catwoman, even though Catwoman's outfit is very different from the Batman Returns one. The fact that she has long blonde hair. Yeah. Where and then when they did the revamp, she had short brunette hair. Okay. So it's it's there was very influenced by the the Burton stuff at the time, and of course they used the Danny Elfman theme and everything. But they they wanted that connection until later on they're just like, okay, do whatever you want because you pushed right. him. Right, right. So right. It, it, I can I can kind of see why people might think, oh, like Billy D. Williams because of the Burton connection. But I, I don't know if they, right. because Billy D. Williams was such a small part of the '89 movie. I don't know if it really right mattered to Warner Brothers. It basically didn't seem like Warner Brothers gave a shit about Harvey Dent or Two Face because they just didn't want like he had such a small role in the first one, and then they didn't even let him have a role at all in Batman Returns. Um, where they weren't interested in bringing him back or, or whatever, but it's, it, he didn't really come back until the next one. Right. Right. And that's when, because Schumacher wanted him. I mean, I'll preface this. There's a lot of people online being like, yeah, like we could have gotten Batman forever with Michael Keaton's Batman and Marlon Wayans is Robin and Robin Williams is Riddler and Billy D. Williams is Two-Face. It would have been directed by Tim Burton. That's not really the case because Schumacher was the one who wanted Two-Face. And, the writers he hired for Batman Forever wanted to do the Riddler. Okay. So at no point did we ever really know what Burton's ideas for the third movie would have been. He was booted off too quickly to know. There's a lot of rumors in terms of what it could have been. Some say that he could have put in the Scarecrow and shit like that, but there's nothing. I I, I think if he actually did have an idea, we would have known by now. Like for sure, we would have known by now. Right, right, right. It would have been taking an interview or something. Yep, exactly. So this concludes the Batman Returns deep dive, the two-parter. Mm-hmm. We will be going into the Batman Forever deep yes. dive, and that one's going to be interesting because I haven't seen that in a very long time. Um, Looking forward to going back to 1995. Mostly famous for the Seal song, <laughs> um, <laughs> "Kiss from a Rose." But anyway, uh, that's it. That. Uh, this episode and uh please check us out on patreon.com slash superhouse podcast it's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash superhouse podcast superhouse podcast is also on facebook twitter and instagram and i am thunderwolf drew on instagram and 
Twitter and Ben. I am Ben Juan Ryder on Instagram. And that's going to do it for this episode. Catch us on the next one. This is Andrew signing off. Ben signing off.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 